You're listening to Dedication. Fans remember the Bay City Rollers on TD1 Radio. And it's time for our guest DJ segment. Tonight we have with us a very, very special guest. Tonight, helping to celebrate the life, legacy, and birthday of Alan is his amazing, amazing wife of 20 years, Eileen Longmuir. She is someone who obviously needs no introduction. Eileen has been so lovely and gracious and supportive to the fan community, even attending several BCR fan events. Let's welcome the one and only Eileen. Hi, Eileen. Hiya. Hi, Eileen. Thanks so much for joining us uh, tonight. Thank, Thank you. So we're going to jump right in with some a few questions before we get to the music. Uh, we want to talk about New York City and the Tartan Day Parade. And uh, you very kindly joined us this year in 2023 and in 2022. What was it like coming two years in a row to that parade? Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. Both years for different reasons. Um, the first year, 2022, um, it was my first visit to the USA um, and it was lovely. And because it was about Alan's tartan, um, mm -hmm. it was very, very emotional. And I just, you know, I'll never forget it ever. Mm -hmm. I just remember standing at the front, just ready to, to go off on the parade. Um, and I turned around and waved at everybody behind me and it was just this sea of purple waving back and it was just... Oh, that really got me. That was absolutely brilliant. And then again, the same year, you know, we're turning onto Sixth Avenue and the sun just came through the clouds and just shone right on us all. It was just amazing. That um, was brilliant. It was excellent. This year, I loved it again for different reasons. It was, um, I felt I was more relaxed this visit. I knew what to expect. I had met a lot of people last year that, I got to know again there was a lot of people you know marching this year that was the same last year and mm -hmm. um, my health was better this year so I was able to get out and about more whereas last year you know I spent a lot of time in the room because I was so you know not very not very healthy at the time so it was just absolutely brilliant loved it loved everybody that was there loved all the company the laughs it was just amazing, both years, yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, they were really almost two different events, weren't they? It was the same premise, but two different atmospheres and two different events, you know, it, and both wonderful. And yeah. we were so proud, proud to have you with us, Eileen. Oh, it was just amazing. Thanks for having me. It was, I'll never forget it ever. Oh, you're welcome. Well, we're going to have you again in 2024. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. I think it'll be amazing. Um, I know that not everybody can go to the event, but from what I'm hearing through the grapevine, there's going to be a lot of fans in Edinburgh at that time. So I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. Um, I think we're just going to take over Edinburgh for a few days and it's just going to be amazing. Absolutely. I mean, we couldn't believe it sitting at our computers that day when registration opened. I actually thought someone hacked it or did something because it was like, like the ticker tapes in New York. It was like, <laughs> what is going on? And within seven minutes, we had to stop everything and just say, okay, let's make sure this is correct. And of course, there were a couple of duplicates. So we did have a couple of spots, but sold out that fast. Unbelievable. Fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, and I'm very deserved, ladies, because I know the the effort and you know the work that gets put into these things, and it's just for people like myself attending. It just is seamless, you know. It feels seamless because you are, you know, I know you're firefighting in the background and what have you, but um, for the attendees, it's amazing, and you know, I'm sure everybody appreciates the hard work that goes into these events. Yeah, thank you for that. Because at the end of the day, we look at it, it's not our money, it's their money. And we want to make sure they get every penny's worth, you know? Yeah, yeah so absolutely. That's important for us. That's important for us. So thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate that. From the heart, no problem. And, you know, like you said, we are going to be taking over Edinburgh next year. Edinburgh itself is there's a lot of buzz, you know, throughout the city about this event. Yep. So we don't know. We don't know exactly how this is going to go, but we will be there and they will know it. Yep. Um, and the fandom is mostly, you know, just wonderful people, like you said. Um, and yep. there's also a flip side to that, which we can talk about if you want to. Mm -hmm. um, and people, you know, still love Alan so much. And there's not a day goes by that you can't go online and read something or see a beautiful photo of him. Um, how do you handle that? I mean, how does it comfort and probably hurt at the same time? Um, I think, you know, at, at the beginning, I just couldn't look at anything. I do anything. It took me a long, long mm -hmm. time. Now, um, it depends, I suppose, how I'm feeling that day. Most of the time, it's so positive and everything's fantastic and you appreciate that people haven't forgotten them almost five years on, you know. Um, and then other times it can be, you know, maybe people maybe don't mean it the way it sounds or something, but some things can be quite hurtful. Um, but the majority of the fans are so generous and kind um, and it's continued you know, after Alan's passing towards me, which is totally, I mean. Well, Eileen, anyone could who was in your company, the two of you, could see how much you meant to each other. I mean, he was just besotted with you and, and you with him. And it was always so wonderful to be around a couple so in love. It was inspiring. Um, but there is, you know, sometimes I think fans can be a little intrusive and go over their boundaries. How yeah. do you feel about that? I mean, and sometimes they're not very nice about it and not very nice to you, and I don't understand that. Um, yeah, well, people are entitled to their opinion, I suppose. Um, but some people can be quite hurtful in what they say. I don't let it get to me because at the, ultimately, at the end of the day, as I say, people are entitled to their opinion, but um, Alan and I, we knew what we were to each other. And anybody that knew us well knew what we were to each other. So these people that basically come out and maybe exaggerate their friendship with them, we've had quite a few of that. Um, and we've had people just coming out and telling downright lies. Um, but as I say, at the end of the day, I know the truth. They, they can't take my memories away. You know, they try mm -hmm. to rewrite history, which is total nonsense. Um, and I just basically, I treat these people with the contempt they deserve. Um, but as I say, the good outweighs the bad always because there's so, so many lovely, lovely people out there that are so nice. The, the, the not so nice ones are in the minority and they don't mean anything to me. So they don't, you know, they basically don't get any of my time. 
you know, I just ignore people like that and just carry on um, and just get on with things. And, and as I say, I know what I know what Alan and I meant to each other. Um, so they can try and lie their way through things and upset, you know, try and upset me. And, you know, I think I got a lot of it. It was sort of exacerbated after Alan passed um, because okay. I think, you know, there was a certain element that thought I was on my own. I was vulnerable, um, you know, I wouldn't fight back and things like that. So at the end of the day, you know, I don't fight back because I don't waste my time on these people. You know, at, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it is what it is. And, you know, if they've got such sad lives that they've got to try and upset other people, that's their problem, not mine. Well, well that is it. And like you yeah. said, the good does far outweigh the bad. I mean, Absolutely. we get it here. We get it here, too. And it's always people who aren't doing anything except causing trouble. It's not people who attend events, who get involved, who are doing anything at all, but sitting behind their computer and, and just thinking they know everything yeah. and they glom on to a certain person or two who really are just out to wreak havoc. And then they think that elevates them to a certain level and it really doesn't. And I feel bad for them because we're just having so much fun together and there's so much love in this community and they're really missing out and they're missing out on you. And that is tragic. Oh. <laughs> it's, really it's, 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 you know, they must, I feel quite sorry for people like that because they must have nothing else in their lives. They must have such sad, sorryful lives that, that, you know, that they've got to try and upset other people. So really they're more to be pitied than, you know, laughed at, to be honest. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Although, but some days, Eileen, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, you know, some don't days. get me wrong. I, I wouldn't go out there publicly. You know, I have my moments, um, but it, they're, you know, they're not out there for all to see and, you know, what have you. And it passes very quickly. Because yeah. as I say, well, I, I try not to let them, you know, upset me or get to me. But, and I've had it for years and years, so I'm really quite used to it now. You know, and it's quite funny because they try, you know, they'll say something that they think is an insult and it actually isn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like referring to me as Alan's second wife. Um, it basically just says, well, why, why was there a second wife in the first place? And there was no third wife. So really, I don't find that an insult. You know, no, it just not brings, at all. you know, it just brings to the fore that basically, um, you know, the first marriage didn't work out for one reason or another, and there was no third marriage. We were together until the end, you know, until Alan passed. So, um, you know, I don't find things like that um, an insult. So they're no. wasting their time, basically. <laughs> you know. No, we said earlier that you've been married for twenty. You married for twenty years. You would have been married for a hundred if if he was still here. So absolutely. And we always we always said that as well. You know, he always used to say, "I wish I'd met you sooner." But again, mm. I used to say to him, "Well, maybe if I had met you sooner, it might not have worked out. Maybe you know we were meant to meet each other when we did." Yes, and, and you know we had we had a lovely marriage, um, and it was getting stronger. The longer we went together, the stronger we were. You know, it was just amazing. My husband's my second marriage. My first one was practice. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, more, you know, I mean, how many people out there are actually, you know, 
on their second marriage or something, you know. And, and exactly. it's quite funny because some of the ones that are calling me Alan's second wife have been married up to four times, you know. And I just laugh. <laughs> I think they're, they're saying it to me as an insult. <laughs> you know, their second wife is long gone and so is their third, you know. So yeah. it's, it's really quite sad in a way, but I find it quite funny. <laughs> you've got to laugh. Why, why would you do anything else? You know, you've got to laugh at this because you, you can't let them get to you. You can't let them bring you down. It's just, it's not going to happen. You know, it's as simple as that. Like I said earlier, anyone who was in your presence just knew how much you loved each other. It was so obvious. It was a wonderful... Um, aura to be around so we saw it and we felt it so meh to everyone else <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Laura, should we start um with a song maybe i was just thinking that you read my mind Suze. good good all right we're gonna take a listen to alan's version of keep on dancing keep on dancing keep on doing the job shake it shake it baby Come on and show me how you work version of that song had Nobby uh, on lead in 1971 and then uh, Les sang lead on that same song on the Roland album and uh, now we get to hear so I have to ask you Eileen whose version did you like better Nobby's Les's or Alan's well do you have to ask <laughs> I'm a wee bit biased when it comes to Alan singing um, you know lead um, I think I think they recorded that when he was with Eric in the early nineties, 
think maybe about 91 or something, because I met Alan in 94 and I had already bought that CD. I had saw that CD and bought it. And funnily enough, I really liked Alan singing, you know, keep on dancing on it. Oh, yeah. Um, before I even met him or, you know, got to know him or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I really Alan. love Alan. I think, you know, he, he was really, really good. But he didn't, you know, he didn't give himself, you know, the, he, he didn't believe he, that he was talented enough to do these sort of things, you know. Um, That's too all... bad because I, I have to say that people love when we play his, his him singing lead on a song. Um, we get requests for it every single week. People love hearing him sing lead. It's too bad that they, whatever the powers that be, you know, in the record industry didn't have him do more. Well, I think, um, to be honest, and back in the early days after Nobby left, I think it it was suggested that Alan go up and be the you know be the lead singer, um. But he said he never had he never had the confidence, um, oh. to be the front man. So I think okay. it was, and a lot of the time it was Alan, you know, hadn't you know didn't realise his talent, which I think he had loads of you know but, and he said he I think you had to be a certain type of person to be a front man and he felt he was just and he was he was quiet and shy if you got to know Alan he was quiet and shy all of his yeah. life a gentleman yes. and he just felt that you had to be more show busy if you like to be the front man so not just the singing but the actual persona of standing yeah. in front of the band it just didn't appeal to him at all and that was something when you less had less definitely <laughs> had that Oh, oh and, yeah. and persona to be up front. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Les, you yeah. know, you know, Les had his demons and different things, but he was a lovely, lovely guy and an absolutely brilliant front man. Yeah. They couldn't have asked for better when it comes to, you know, having a lead singer, somebody out front in the band. I mean, Les it was just made for Les, you know. It was. Um, and he was and you know, he, he was a fantastic guy and very, very different off the stage to what he was on stage. You know, in these private moments, he was a he was a smashing guy. He was a lovely, lovely guy. You know, but um, as I said, the person that was on that stage was not the private person that you got. So okay. he, was, he was a great guy. I love Blaze. Oh. You know, he was he was very good to me, and he had my back after Alan passed away, and phoned every week just to check up and see how I was and different oh. things. That I really he was a he was a good friend to me. He really was. That's so yeah. lovely to hear. Yeah, and well, we all know the story of how he was. Him and Peckle came and um, sat by Alan's bed from the Saturday and almost missed their last plane back on the Sunday, left it to the very last minute, and it was only hours later that Alan passed, um, and he was at his bedside. Wow. That's that's a good friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very. That's, that's what love That's what you do when you love someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. I miss them both so much, honestly. It's just, it's just so weird that they're not here anymore. It's just... It's almost like you don't believe it. Well, I know you believe it, Eileen, but it's like you can because we can still look at videos and interviews and mm -hmm. you know pretend. But I love mm -hmm. that you told that. Thank you for sharing that because he gets a bad rap. I mean, he was he, he didn't have the swagger and he and he had a little bad boy image, which was you know 
And they, yeah, they played on it. He did play on oh, it. You know, I mean, there's no doubt. There's some folk just really, you know, didn't like the way he was, but he was a totally different person and, and you know, private I, time and what have you. I, I, would never, I would never have wanted to be on his bad side, <laughs> you know. No. Um, <laughs> because he, he was a fighter and... I've had limited, you know, interaction with him, but the conversations I had with him were very warm, very touching, very intelligent. He was really—I don't know why—I didn't think he'd be intelligent, but super intelligent he about really a lot was. of different things. Yeah, he really was, very yeah. interesting person. Very interesting person. Yeah. So I, I really have a soft spot for him too, um, even though, of course, you know, we've seen sides of him that were questionable, but a lovely person, I think, as well. And I'm yeah, glad. I think that deep down. Peel, peel back the layers and there was a lovely, lovely person in the heart of it, you know. Yeah, he, mm. he, he, had, he, had, he had issues like we all do. Yeah. Unfortunately, his are, you know, played out for the world to see where I can just go into my room with a bag of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> but this is it. That's, that's one of the things I found hard as well after Alan's passing. Really, I wasn't, I didn't get time to grieve, you know, Sure. On my own, I, I felt that, you know, I was under the spotlight no matter where I went. And I'm talking about locally as well. You know, yeah. I mean, I preferred to stay in the house because I felt that if I went out for a meal or anything like that, I could, well, it, it, probably a lot of my imagination, but I felt people were looking at me to see how I was because Alan and I were always together. Alan was my best friend. Yeah. And when we went out, we went out together. And all of a sudden, you know, your life's changed completely. And, you know, I'd go out with my friends and, and they were absolutely brilliant and supportive and what have you. But I always felt initially that I was under the spotlight and I never, ever got time to, to sort of grieve. You know, you feel, I know I wasn't under the spotlight as such, but so it must be, it must be really hard for, you know, other people in that position, um, you know, who Plus you're sharing, you're sharing your grief with this whole fan base too. Well, I mean, you know, you can't just have a moment and just let it sink in. Yeah. I mean, there's there's times now, you know, I still turn around to see something to Alan, you know, five years down the line, something maybe on the telly and I go to turn around and say something. I, I wake up in the morning and I go to say something, you know, and it's hard. You know, mm, it's... Absolutely. It's, uh, it'll always be in my heart anyway, so. Of course, of course. Well, let's play another song. How about that? Um, this yeah. song is very popular and, and it re gets requested, honestly, almost every week. Um, and it was always a thrill seeing Alan take the lead on this one at any fan events or at some of the live shows, especially the reunions. Um, it's yeah. Rock and Roll Honeymoon. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, I just I just love the song. I just think it's feel good. It's, it's upbeat. Um, and he wasn't always, you know, keen to sing it and had to be persuaded and what. And I think it was actually one at one of Les's gigs. Um, he used to join Les on the stage, but he just joined in with the band. And Les had said, "How about doing, you know, rock and roll honeymoon?" And I remember the first time he was going to do it, they were having the run through before the show. And I remember Alan turning to Si and Phil and saying, to him, "You know, 
have you got the words to this? Because I don't remember. <laughs> and I was total panic, you know. <laughs> and running, googling, you know, trying to get the words for him and trying to get him to remember the words. And oh, it was. But that was just Alan. He was so laid back. He was horizontal, you know. Um, <laughs> and you know, you'd think he would have sort of knew he was going to do this song. Uh, the first time in many, many years. But, you know, he waited to the last minute and he was hoping that the guys would be able to give him the words, you know. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> was some man. But, yeah, the fun, fun memories. And I loved hearing him singing it. Um, and, obviously, you know, over the years, it, you know, the, the higher notes got a bit harder to, you know, for him to sing and things. But once he had done it a few times, he just got better and better. You know, once his confidence again, confidence thing, once it started to grow, um, and I absolutely loved seeing him in the, the reunion shows and stuff like that. It's amazing. Did, did he love the song? He did. He did. Yes. Um, to be honest, Alan, you know, he would say, you know, like, Don't Let the Music Die was his favourite song, and he always joked at the, the Q&As that, um, I ran with a gang, you know, his friend's show in Edinburgh. He'd always say, oh, my favourite songs are uh, Don't Let the Music Die and that's going to be my funeral song and stuff like this, which it was. And it's, you know, it's on his headstone and what have you. But um, he would, you know, he would, he liked to give credit to other people rather than himself. So it was hard for him sometimes to talk about you know, him singing. I remember him saying, you know, when he was recording his part, he would stand with his hands in his pockets and, you know, the rest of them were all gearing up to, you know, put their own heart and soul in it. And Alan was standing there as if he was waiting to get served at a bar or something, you know. <laughs> um, and he, he preferred to talk about his plumbing. You know, I'm quite sure I could plumb a bathroom in if I had to because <laughs> because he, he loved talking about his plumbing and when he became a, a bylaws inspector um, he loved talking about his day with that but to talk about you had to have him in a certain mood to talk about the early days the days of of uh, Bay City Rollers and especially the songs that he sang on you know as I say he was always wanting to give credit to other people rather than blow his own trumpet if you like you know mm -hmm. um, but no he, he did he had fond memories of uh, Rock and Roll Honeymoon, definitely. Well, let's take a listen to it. And maybe in the meantime, he can come and, you know, unclog my drain. Oh. <laughs> Here, here's Rock and Roll Honeymoon. Baby, I'm a nothing so you better get your rock and roll song. You better ask your daddy for the candy and the motor
All right, the next song we're going to take a listen to that Alan sings lead on is Here Comes That Feeling Again. And this was a bonus track on Wouldn't You Like It? And this is definitely another fan favorite uh, with our listeners. Let's take a listen to this one. Here comes that feeling again. Do you um do you like this song, Eileen? 
I do, I do. But then, as I've said previously, I'm a wee bit biased when it comes to, you know, Alan singing on any of the songs. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lovely song. I, I like hearing this. It's a nice, because Rock and Roll Honeymoon such a fast-paced song, and then this song comes along and it just, everything slows down. Yeah. And I like that about the song. Yeah, yeah. It's a real crooner on that one. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, absolutely. Well, in 1977, Alan released um, a song called Unconfessing, which peaked at number 44 in Australia. Um, we're going to play both I'm Confessing and then the B-side, I Got Songs, back-to-back. -back. But we, before we do, Eileen, do you know anything about how that whole whole thing came about in 77? Um, I know we're um, before your time a bit, but if you, if you talk yeah, about it. I know that, that there was rumours going about Alan was sacked for being too old and different things and that, but I know that he was very disillusioned with it all. He felt that the fun had went out of being in the band. Um, so... He had left in 76, I think it was. Mm. Um, although he remained a director with the Bay City Rollers. He was always a director with the Bay City Rollers. Um, and then the opportunity came to do an album. Um, and I'm confessing was to be released as a single. However, Tam Payton had different ideas. He didn't want it to be a success because he didn't want the other guys in the band to think about oh I could I could go and have a solo career and you know oh. um so I know that there was a lot of what I would call jiggery pokery going on in the background um mm -hmm. and the record didn't get played the way it should and there was different things and so I know that you know Alan was a wee bit disappointed and he used to joke about it on uh you know, he's, he's playing around with the gang. He would say, oh, you know, in 1977, I brought out a, a single called I'm Confessing. It was a big hit in Australia, you know, check it out sort of thing. Um, so it, it was a wee bit of contention with him that he felt that it could have went further. And I think everybody did feel the same way, you know, oh, that it could have been a lot better had there not been things happening in the background. I mean, because they were still huge in America and then just about to, you know, be huge in Japan, you know. That's so right. it definitely would have done well. It just goes to show how, what what a power base he had in Edinburgh and could stop things and make things happen. Good, oh, yes. evil things happen. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow, that is really too bad. Yeah. Because, I mean, 44 in Australia. Australia is a continent. That's not nothing. Yeah, uh, that's that's a hit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Although, as I see, you said it in a joking way. You know, it was it was sort of portrayed as oh, it was a big hit because I got to number forty four in Australia. You know, after all the hits they had had and stuff like that. But it was a shame because I think it really listening to the the records and stuff like that. I think it's really um, it it merited more than it that actually got in the end. Absolutely. They're, they're two solid pop songs. Um, well, let's take a listen and then wonder what might have been.
jump to 1981 and we're going to talk about that little gem of a movie called burning rubber <laughs> and it's funny because it does come every once in a while it shows up on youtube um it, for a little while it gets taken down and you'll know that it's out on youtube because everybody starts posting it right and um it did have a full soundtrack to uh to that movie did alan ever talk much about that movie to you um, not so much the music. I know that he absolutely loved his time. I think he was in. It was it was filmed in South Africa, and he was there for three months, and he absolutely loved doing it. And he always said, "Well, you know, there was absolutely no, you know, he knew what he was actor wise." Um, and 
he joked about it and laughed about it, but he said he had such a great time actually making the movie. Um, and he would, I think he would have really liked to have done more that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, he, he used to speak about the director, Norman Cohen, I think, who was from Dublin originally or something. And he said he was such a funny guy and, and just Alan just loved the whole persona of the film you know the making of the film and we you know you used to laugh about it I don't think we've ever managed to watch it from start to finish without breaks and stuff because we had a really sketchy video of it somewhere oh yeah um, you know <laughs> where it stops and starts and what have you so I've never actually sat down and watched the whole thing through without interruptions and stuff and I would like to one day actually I would really like to you know get a good copy and sit down and watch it but Oh, um, I have someone who can make that happen. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make oh, that happen for you. No. That's smashing. Because just when you said about burning rubber, I thought, you know, I've never actually saw that film from start to, you know, from start to finish. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so obviously if it's starting and stopping and jumping and things, you're not going to get the full extent of it, you know. Right, um, right. And I would like to experience that, you know. Just, yeah. just to see what, you know, Alan was talking about, if you like, you know. It, it, it gets a lot of ribbing because it is, you know, I guess kind of corny. It and it, it, through the fandom, I went from loving them to thinking they were corny to loving them again. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's right. And this, you know, the Croft Superstar had done that to a certain yeah. extent as well, yeah. didn't they? Again, Alan probably knew it wasn't the right direction to go to, but absolutely loved, you know, the filming, you know, making these programs and stuff like yeah. that. He absolutely loved it. So exactly. I think exactly. he enjoyed that part of it, but he always did. He always enjoyed the performing part of it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think he just made the most of these things, knowing that it probably wasn't the right direction or whatever. Um, he just sort of, you know, swallowed I, I it up the, and got on with it. Put it in the right direction, just the, the wrong material, maybe. Not burning rubber. Burning rubber stands on its own. He had uh, Hollywood good looks, for sure. Oh, so yeah. When when I watch Burning Rubber now as a mature 60-year-old woman, um, his comedic ability, just uh-huh. with his facial expressions, he's yeah. really good, funny. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it now with, you know, different eyes, and I'm thinking, you know, this is really something to have on your resume. You know, yeah. it's a film, it's a full feature film and he's in it and he's the lead. It, it, yeah. I think he know. was the best of a bad bunch, to be honest. I think that's how he did <laughs> it. <laughs> it's, really, it's really a sweet film. So we will make sure you get a copy of that. Eileen. Oh, thank you. That's very good of you. Definitely. And we're going to um, take a listen to two songs from that soundtrack, Doors, Bars and Metal and Love is Yours and Mine.
Next up, we have three songs that are new to us that um, Eileen, you graciously gave us um, uh, to play on our show. And um, thank you for doing that. We really appreciate that you are sharing these songs with us. Too good not to be shared as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And the the listeners and we totally agree because people do ask for these um, every week. Thank you. 
just listened to was um, A Manner to Which You're Accustomed, which um, through research we found isn't exactly a new song. um, Sue's actually found it on YouTube and it's been on YouTube for about nine years. And it's on a YouTube video that has a um, Alan photo montage. But beyond that, we don't know anything else about um, that song. Um, And do you know anything more about that, Eileen? Um, I'm not awfully sure. I think the three songs that were, were sent through to me um, were recorded in 1977 and were supposed to be part of the album that was getting released, but that never wow. happened. With the that's, that's what we thought. Yeah, yeah, we were kind of wondering about that because of the timing of um, I'm Confessing you know, when that came out. Um, and uh, let's see, the other song that we played was Missing You, mm-hmm. which is somewhat new to our listeners. Um, and again, we can't find any other information when we researched the song, like who wrote it or if anybody else besides Alan recorded it. Um, I think Alan actually wrote it. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, that would be uh, why we got information. That was one of the ones that he actually, he, he wasn't a prolific songwriter. 
by any means, but he did he did do a couple of songs. Oh, that's a beautiful own. song. I love Missing and You. And I'm sure it's Missing You is one of them. Okay. It's oh, that, that's good to know. That's helping to, this is like a puzzle. We're trying to fill in, you know. Yeah. I mean, I know Alan told me that he had recorded a song but it, for the album that was never released. Um, so putting two together, two and two together, because we didn't have a copy of it, Alan never had a copy of these songs, so mm -hmm. he was never able to, to, you know, sort of let me know the songs and stuff. And he probably forgot what ones he had written anyway, because he was, you know, he wasn't great with the the words or anything like that, you know. Right, um, and it was a long time ago, and yeah, yeah, it was. And as I say, you know, he. he if you got him in the right mood, he would talk about his Bay City roller days. But again, you know, not so much blowing, you know, his own trumpet, not so much about himself, but about the rest of the, you know, the band and the laughs they had and what oh, they absolutely. and stuff like that. So um, as far as I'm aware, Missing You was his, which is probably why there's not a lot of information out there. Okay, that and that, yeah, that would answer the question why we can't find anything. And the third song that you gave us that we actually debuted a few weeks ago was A Moment of Madness, which um, we love. And uh -huh. we did some research on that song. Um, and what we found out in our research is that it was originally recorded before Alan by two British acts, one called White Plains and one called Flower Pot Men. So right. they recorded it before Alan. And what's really interesting about this song mm -hmm. is uh, I was listening to another um, radio show from the UK mm -hmm. and the presenter played the song and the presenter afterwards told a little story about how um, he uh, gave that song its title. All right. Which means that the presenter didn't do his research. So the somebody might yeah. want to oh. tell the presenter <laughs> that right. um, In a Moment of Madness was composed by Roger Cook and um, Roger Greenaway. Oh, right. Which means he gave the title to the, to the song. Right. Okay. <laughs> it was um, an interesting story. Yeah. I think, I think the same story went about from um, Missing You which when I'm thinking back now, I think it's it's listed on PRS as as Alan actually writing the song and oh, okay. something like 1986 called Missing You. And then I think the same claim was made about I'm Confessing, which oh. was, I would imagine would have been the, the songwriter. I don't know who it was. I can't remember the name. Right. But um, I believe at one stage it was also... Um, named by a certain radio presenter or claimed yeah. to be named by a certain radio presenter, shall we say. <laughs> I claim that I am the president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> silly, silly. Anyway, we, we do love doing the hard, the hard deep dive and researching some of this stuff. It's a lot of fun. And we've really found out just a lot of really cool, fun facts that we love to share with everyone. Definitely. You know, you know, I mean, this is a show about the Bay City Rollers, and there's only a limited amount of music available to do yeah. a four-hour show every week without sounding exactly the same every week. Uh -huh. is, you know, we don't, don't want to be dull, and not, not that it's dull because we love to hear the music, but 
you know, we want it to be fresh, as fresh as possible and find new information. It's just really been fun for us. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I was hoping that somebody might be able to help me out with some of the things, you know, that I'm not so, you know, so up on, if you like, you know, it's just, uh, you know, how some of the songs came about and different things. And um, I'm quite sure there's somebody out there who'll be able to help me out. Yeah, well, absolutely. We, we did reach out to, because um, you had told us Jan Stevenson had given you the recordings to those three songs. Yeah, yeah. And I did reach out to her um, and she's going to get back to me. Um, and so I'm hoping that she's got some more, you know, something to kind yeah. of fill the gaps about how did she get the songs and yeah, what she I, know about I think them. I think she said Alan gave her a tape or something like that. And was it Peter Stern or something had, mm -hmm. had cleaned them up or whatever the technical term for is it remastered them or whatever and um, so you know they're still they still need you know obviously on a wee tape recorder in 1977 but uh you know that was alan he would give these things away never thinking about the future oh well you know that might come in handy in the future just or it might be nice just to keep these things you know right um but he just seemed to it was the same with all his his discs and stuff they all disappeared I actually got a disc from um, his sister Alice that had been damaged in in a, in a fire she had in her home in, in Caledonia Road. She's um, She was in 5 Caledonia Road, you know, where the family were, were mm -hmm. uh, stayed, were brought up. Um, and I just cleaned it up and I actually put some of his tartan on the background of it. Um, and it's now in the hall along with his guitars and, and my stuff from, you know, the last two New York parades. The whole hall is just sort of basically roller-related, Alan-related, if you like, you know. Oh, so, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's 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 in the house. It's not in your face. You know, if you come to visit me, you'll be able to see it. But, you know, it's not. It's not in your face if you like, but uh, right. it's, I like it because it's, every night I'm going to my bed, I can just see all the pictures of them and what have you. And first thing I see in the morning, and that's so. Aww, I love yeah. that. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a bit like a wee, it's a wee to him if you like. <laughs> he deserves it. Well, I think he does. I yes. think he does. All right, I think we just got an invite. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime, ladies. Take we'll me be around to tea soon. Yeah, take me as you find me. And I'm not the world's best cook, but we can eat out. That's not a problem. <laughs> not a problem. We'll order Thank in. Thank you. Eileen, <laughs> right. if it's okay with you, mm -hmm. I'd like to share a story about a medium, not a professional medium, but someone mm -hmm. who definitely shares her gift. And it was a story that you shared with us before. Would that be okay? Absolutely, yes. Um, I don't know why there have why Laura's let me do it because I'm probably the worst person to try to get through this, but I'm going to try. <laughs> All right. So someone, um, someone your son Nick knows. Um, like I said, she, while not a professional medium, she's clearly gifted. And she relayed a message to Nick for you. And uh -huh. she was just minding her own business, washing her windows, actually. Suddenly, for no reason, the song Angel, Angel just randomly, randomly started playing it in her head. And she went inside to play the song. And wham, she just started receiving a message, and apparently a message for Nick. And so the message was, your dad is doing fine. 
he's just worried about your mom and says she's crumbling inside, especially at night. Please tell her that she's not alone. He is with her all the time and she knows it. He also says he knows what she's thinking and she has to stop. The woman asked for proof it was him and he says, well, she recently got caught up in her clothing trying to undress one night, like ridiculously so. Tell her that was me. <laughs> he says he also has his tartan waistcoat. Um, then he started singing a song for her. Um, and we're going to play that in, in a minute. Um, and he is saying to her to listen to the words that they are from him to her. And um, he wants to thank Eileen for turning his life around and for the time they had together. And he also said that when Eileen feels something like cobwebs in her hair or on her face, that that's him kissing her goodnight. Okay, um, I got through that. Um, we're gonna play the song. And then when we come back, Eileen, we're gonna ask about the cobwebs. Okay. I can't remember when you were there When I didn't care For anyone but you I swear We've been through everything there is Can't imagine anything we've missed Can't imagine anything The two of us can't do Through the let me down You've turned my life around The sweetest days I've found I've found with you Through the years I've never been afraid I've loved the life we've made And I'm so glad I stayed Right here with you Remember what I used to do Who I trusted who I listened to before I swear you've taught me everything I know Can't imagine needing someone so But through the years it seems to me I need you more and more The good and bad I know how much we had I've always been so glad To be with you Through the years It's better every day You've kissed my tears away As long as it's okay I'll stay with you I never had 
I've learned what life's about by loving you through the Okay, and that was Through the Years by Kenny Rogers, who, if I'm not mistaken, Eileen, you had never even heard that song before. Never had heard it, and neither um, had Morag, who um, relayed the message. She had went through Nick because she wasn't sure how I would react to getting a message from Alan. Um, she had worked with Nick 16 years previously or something like that, but they had kept in touch through Facebook. Um, and she had she had sort of said, you have to listen to the words of, through the years. Um, and I said, well, who, who sings it? And she went, oh, I thought you would know about this song, you know? So we had to, um, I, I had to, again, I had to Google it and it came up with Kenny Rogers um, and the actual words to the song. Um, and I listened to it a few times and it's obviously become a very special song for me. I know the, the Osmonds recorded it, but I didn't know that at the time either. Um, so, yeah, you know, I had absolutely no clue. It's not something that Alan and I would have listened to together. Mm. You know, the type, that type of music. Not that we're against it, but it's not something that we would have listened to. So I don't know if he had heard it years before or what. I, I have no idea, but that was the, the message that he sent. Um, and that's so, why I got you to read it out, because I can't read it. <laughs> yeah, I barely made it through. So tell, what, did any of those things match up with you? Uh, everything absolutely everything um all over my body right now <laughs> yeah uh, i mean as i say morag who portrayed the message to me um had worked with nick about 16 years before i think she had maybe met alan very briefly at nick's wedding um i think she maybe got came up and got a photo taken with him or something like that but apart from that um you know, she didn't know anything about us. I mean, she talked about, you know, my mum and dad at a certain time as well. And, you know, she didn't know my mum and dad. And it, it was just the, the clothes thing was I had actually come out of the shower one morning and um, I hadn't dried myself properly because I was in a hurry. And you know the way you're trying to get your T-shirts and stuff on and your body's wet and it rolls oh, yeah. <laughs> round the back of your neck and ties your oh, hair yeah. in among it and what have you. And I ended up writhing about the bed and then all of a sudden I started to laugh because I thought if anybody could see me now, you know, 
<laughs> the, the shape of me and what I was doing. And I think it was actually one of the first times I had sort of laughed out loud since Alan had passed. Oh, um, so I remember that. Um, also, the, you know, the, the thing about the cobwebs on my face. Every night I went to bed, I always felt, uh, I used to put it down to a loose hair or something round about my mouth or whatever, you know, and I would be always trying to pull these invisible hairs from my mouth. Um, so when he said that, that wow. was a lot, you know, absolutely. And I get it now and again, not every night the way I did before, um, but certainly when he first passed, the, you know, the things that happened were, were more than coincidental you know what I mean it was definitely signs from Alan that was probably when you needed it the most and also Absolutely. I don't know how we transition does it take a while like was he still closer do you know what I mean yeah um to be honest I think the night before um his funeral which would have been the 11th of July um Lane England was here for the funeral and Lane and I and my friend Anne were sitting at the dining table um, putting, uh, we were inserting the wee sashes of forget-me-nots into the, into the order of service um, mm. for Alan and the three of us actually saw a white mist coming down to the bottom of the stairs and just standing at the bottom of the stairs. Now, the three of us saw it at the same time and sort of didn't see anything and then just sort of looked at each other and they you know so i i reckon very much so it happens almost immediately you wow. know i, got so I didn't know you know some folk you hear stories and folks some folks say oh it takes months and other folks say oh no it's just days and different things but that is certainly probably one of the first things i got um wow. and then you know lights switching on and off um a wee angel that somebody gave me after he died and lost it on from my bedside cabinet, knocked the shelf off, couldn't find it anywhere, down on my hands and knees, thought I had rolled under the bed. And it was, you know, I went to my bed about two, I had just changed the bed and I went to my bed and I was, you know, I had changed the bed before I had knocked things off the bedside cabinet. Um, and then I went to my bed about two hours later because I was travelling to Ireland the next morning and the wee angel was in the middle of the bed, touched it with my leg and then, you know, thought the cat had brought a dead mouse or something into oh. the bed. <laughs> Flew out of the bed, threw the covers back and there was the wee angel, you know. Loads of things, loads of things. Alexa starting up saying, um, I shouldn't have watched what I was saying there, um, you know, quoting poems about angels and things for no apparent reason you know wow. different things playing songs that you know that meant something to the both of us and things without being asked or I was lying in my bed one morning at four o'clock and all these different songs were coming on all relating to to things that that Alan and I you know used to share or you know our love of the same song or something like that so definitely I mean I'm I don't expect everybody to believe in it but I'd certainly do and Alan was quite psychic um, in his own right you know he, he, he played it down but he was really quite psychic he had had a bit of the gift you know so That's I knew amazing. that if it was true then he would come to me and he definitely did I, I definitely believe I mean I can't just believe this is it 
you know, there has to be some more energy or something we, that we turn into. Oh, I totally believe. This goes again to just hammer home how strong your bond was. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially the first two years, I got things all the time. Not so much now, um, but if I'm feeling down about anything or if I, you know, I still talk to him and things like that, mm. and I will get a sign, not, not always immediately, but I always yeah. get a sign. And if I'm taking video of the grandkids who he absolutely adored, um, if he, if I'm taking videos, I don't see anything at the time, but it's full of orbs. You know, oh. the videos are oh, always full wow. of orbs. Um, and he did, in that same message, predict that I was going to get another grandchild and that he had met him before, you know, before oh. he was born. And oh. so that was lovely as well. That's her teat. Oh, that's a so monster. wonderful. <laughs> An absolute that. monster. <laughs> <laughs> As he should be. As he should be. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lovable monster at the moment. I don't know how long it'll last. But... <laughs> I mean, thank you so much for sharing that particular story because that's really personal and really special. And it, like I said, it just reiterates your bond with each other still to this day. Definitely. Forever. Thank you. I, I just I miss him every day, but I always will. Thank you again, Eileen, for joining us tonight. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Eileen. Oh, pleasure was all mine, ladies. Lovely to speak to you as always. We love you. We love, love you, you definitely. And we love all of our listeners and everyone who uh, sends us requests and listens to our show and participates in our Friday night chats. Thank you so much for joining us. And special thank you to the wonderful Gail Shackley, who produces our show every week. And um, a very special thank you to Eileen for the audio files of the three songs we played tonight. That it means so much to us that you would share that with us. Thank you. You're very, very welcome, ladies. And please remember, don't let the music die. When I was young, I played the game, never won. Thought rock and roll would bless my soul forever. Songs of love and ecstasy remind me how it used to be. I thought those days would never end, but now it seems I need a friend. I remember all those days gone by I remember all the faces The old familiar places Don't let the music die No, I saw
Yesterday the world was mine I played the clown in pantomime Or was it just a dream that's gone forever? Echo voices from the past Recall the songs I thought would last And say those times will never die And the love we share is the reason why I remember all those days 